Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market on Money FM 89.3. I'm Rachel Kelly. Now, a slew of concerns are muddying an already unpredictable market for Chinese stocks. China is experiencing more regional COVID-19 surges and has responded to the situation as it said it would with its strict COVID-0 policy regardless of economic consequences. On top of this, China also faces property woes with frustrated home buyers no longer paying mortgage payments Joining us on the line today to tell us more on China's outlook is Vanessa Chan, Head of Asian Fixed Income at Fidelity International. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, Kelly. Hi. Uh, Hi, everyone. Good to have you with us. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Okay, so today, Vanessa, we've seen two big banks downgrade their outlook for China. What's the current outlook for you, though? More optimistic? Um, I think it's... I'll give two sides of of, of, mm-hmm. of the view. One is on the absolute front. One is on the relative front. So okay. if you look at the absolute side, um, the, the high-level 5.5 GDP target that was given early part of the year, mm-hmm. it's highly unlikely to be possible. Yet we think uh, after the um, peripheral um, meeting, um, the senior officials have also come out saying that they'll try their best to maintain a stable economic backdrop so the reality about GDP is probably more probably likely towards the 3 or 3.5% target. That's probably also subject to a few things, um, the policy uh, response mm-hmm. as well as the COVID situation. So um, a lot of the news headlines have been focusing on the um, zero COVID policy uh, regarding China. Yet what we have found on the ground, or at least with our observation, mm-hmm. we will probably add a name called dynamic zero policy. So what's happening is a few front. Instead of just uh, purely locking down a large city or a large complex, what they are doing is that they will do a very shift three-day lockdown on small community within a city. So once that um, kind of small area is uh, cleaned up, then um, they will open up for business. The, 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 the beauty of this is it allows a larger part of the city to still be um, operating both in terms of business and economic activities and the, and the daily lives of, um, of the citizens as well. And also um, the local government are being asked to strike a better balance between growth and pandemic control. So yes, uh, I think on the outset, it seems like it's Mm -hmm. still a a zero policy, but on the implementation, uh, there's certainly fine tuning that's already happened. In terms of policy response, I think um, the the major bulk of it, probably we won't see it until um, after the party's meeting in October and November. But what we already saw is that we start seeing more stabilizing policy coming through, uh, particularly related on the uh, property sector, as well and some of the uh, monetary policy um, uh, rate cuts, which um, I think earlier this week we saw the MLF one-year 10 basis point cut, and also the LPR is also coming up towards uh, this weekend as well. So that could potentially be a little bit more easing coming through in terms of um, stabilizing the economy. The reason I talked about relative Mm -hmm. is that if you put um, China in a broader context of global economy, what you actually realize is that you have U.S., that is um, have experienced uh, two very uh, sharp rate hike within a very short period in order to tame inflation 
um, within Fidelity, our um, view on potentially hot lending for the U.S. economy also increased from about 30% to about 60% now. So there could be potential that we see more hot lending scenario happening in U.S. And for Europe, um, I think the economy is probably likely to be continue to begin weak uh, with a little bit um, kind of pressure, increased pressure on inflation, particularly on the energy and uh, food and to some extent wages as well. In China, yeah. uh, yes, the economy is weak, but a lot of the issues that some of the DM economies are experiencing, uh, China is still having them uh, quite under control at this point in time. So, Vanessa, you mentioned the central bank, uh, the unexpected rate cuts that we saw earlier this week. We've also seen uh, a number of economic indicators as well. We've had mm. retail sales, industrial output, uh, mm. fixed asset investment as well. Mm. All of these missed expectations. Mm. Mm. Where is China now in terms of economic growth and outlook? There's an article that came out on Bloomberg a day ago that says China is probably in a recession now. There are some parts that are still um, doing a little bit better. I think import-export data has been a little bit stronger. Um, uh, industrial production, depends on uh, which sector you're looking at, is also a little bit more patchy. Consumption has come down. Um, and, uh, infrastructure investment, or FI, is also coming down. However, I think what was quite clear is that um, after the, the meeting in the summer, uh, the senior officials is also going to push forward in terms of additional infrastructure spending. Mm-hmm. And that would hopefully potentially help in terms of a little bit more support on the infrastructure side. I think what is more uh, kind of um, more questionable is that some of the uh, lending, uh, total social financing has come down, which means that um, the propensity for um, SME and PLE to, to, to kind of borrow and invest is relatively low, which potentially could be an indication of the outlook of the economy at this point in time. Um, if, 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 you, if we take a step back, um, I think a few things that's happening in, in China that mm-hmm. will need more a holistic way of um, policy responses. It's not just related to property. It's not just related to infrastructure, but it will be a coordinated uh, kind of policy response that will need to come through in terms of property, infrastructure, and also consumption in order to stabilize the economy. I think the 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 Chinese government have, uh, for the past couple of years, been um, indicating to the investing, investment community that uh, China has been growing very fast for the past 20 years, and it is unlikely that China will continue to maintain that kind of high-speed growth. So what we have been uh, also sharing with a lot of investors is that for China looking ahead, you, we're very likely to see much lower rate of growth, but hopefully a more extended period, which means that some of the policy responses that will come through will potentially aiming more to stabilize the market other than to kind of really uh, stimulate the economy. And I think that's probably one of the differentiation yeah. on some of the views on the market in terms of the expectations okay. of policy responses. Okay. And just sort of picking up on that as well, you mentioned mm. we could see some moves when it comes to the problem. Sector. I mean, today alone, mm. China's largest developer, Country Garden Holdings, warned that first half earnings probably tumbled as much as 70% amid an ex- escalating property crisis in the country. Overall, China's property crisis has spiraled in recent weeks, and it seems like the property woes have sparked the longest mortgage debt hold since 2015. What kind of mm. measures can we expect, as you mentioned, to calm things down? Okay, I think there's already, um, admittedly, mm-hmm. I, I think. Um, since that the whole mortgage, no, not mortgage, the whole property situation really mm-hmm. started evolving maybe end of uh, mid of last year. So mm-hmm. we already started, we, at that point, we started seeing some of the really 
high leverage company, um, lowly rated entities that uh, were, were facing um, issues about uh, liquidity and refinancing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the situation intensified as we moved into 2000, um, move into this year, where we start seeing some of the more uh, higher quality, more established player also facing the issues. Um, I think, first of all, the physical market is weak. We did see some rebound of physical sales back in June, but um, in July, the number came down. Um, that's probably as a function of some of the COVID situation still not entirely resolved um, within China. So that didn't help in terms of property sales. That's part one. Part two is that it's the ability for some of the developers to refinancing, both in terms of the offshore and onshore market has mm. been weak. So um, there are maturities that's due in 2022 as well as 2023, and some of them just couldn't uh, get refinancing uh, from um, a both onshore and offshore market uh, to, to meet some of the uh, uh, refinancing requirements. So what we have started seeing uh, for the past couple of months in terms of policy responses were um, there were the uh, real estate funds being set up um, so that it will help um, to ensure some of the local government can finish the um, and work together with the developers to finish some of the unfinished project. That's really a function of what came through in terms of the mortgage boycott. There's also um, additional help coming from banks uh, for some of the stress and dis- uh, stress and distress developer for their refinancing. And I think recently um, you also see a very high um, um, high profile news coming in saying that the government will help a selective uh, handful of uh, distressed developer in terms of um, providing support for them to issue in terms of onshore bond market. This policy certainly helps in terms of bringing some light mm. in terms of um, developers' ability to refinance. It also helps in terms of ensuring some of the projects are being able to finish so that um, the mortgage uh, boycott issue wouldn't become a uh, kind of system-wide impact. We did look at um, the, the mortgage um, kind of um, percentage um, within the banking loans, and uh, what we found is that it's actually rel- relatively small percentage within the whole of the um, banking sector, probably less than 1%, and um, it probably wouldn't have an immediate um, impact in terms of the, the overall stability. However, um, I think it's definitely government intentions and regulators' intention to ensure that this is contained and being controlled because what they don't want to see is create any social instability, which is something very high on the uh, list of the priorities of the um, parties in terms of stabilizing not just economic front, but also the social front for the, for, for the Chinese citizen. We're speaking with Vanessa Chan, head of Asian Fixed Income Investing Director at Fidelity International. And Vanessa, since you are the head of Asian Fixed Income, what impact is all of this having on fixed income investments? Actually, I'll talk about the risk and then I'll talk about opportunities. In terms of the risk for the property sector, um, it's definitely attractive in terms of valuation. But what we also be mindful is that the volatilities and the uncertainty is still persists in the sector. Um, yet, I think for some of the investment-grade credits, it's start, definitely start looking uh, increasingly attractive in terms of valuation. Two reasons. One, the base rate already come up. Um, the second is that uh, we do expect that the Fed, uh, in terms of the vol- velocity of rate hikes, is likely to uh, be slowing down a little bit as we move into later part of the year, mm-hmm. which means that investors, um, if they're comfortable, could 
stop tiptoeing in terms of thinking about duration. Thinking about duration, getting the kind of higher base rate effect in terms of the investment grade credit could potentially be looking attractive. Uh, we have uh, a lot of investors thinking about the U.S. side of the market, but we also think that the Asia market, um, given the overall uh, growth potential, is still quite healthy, uh, not just on China. I'm talking about the border China, and most of the inflation um, is still kind of in the early onset, and central banks do have the ability to kind of um, raise, uh, raise rates while balancing the growth. So we do see that investment grade is starting to uh, become a little bit more attractive, but probably need to be uh, kind of going in on a tiptoe basis. Okay. Vanessa, well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. We've got a lot more that we wanted to talk about, but that's all we've got time for today. Thank you. Thank you. We've been speaking with Vanessa Chan, Head of Asian Fixed Income at Fidelity International. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.